This teaching series is coming to you from Bible Temple in Portland, Oregon. All right, Amos chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read uh, verses 4 through to uh, 9. I think that will be sufficient. Amos chapter 5, and verses 4 through to 9. For thus saith the Lord unto the house of Israel, Seek ye me, and ye shall live. But seek not Bethel, nor enter into Gilgal, and pass not, into Be- uh, pass not to Beersheba. For Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to naught. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and devour it, and there be none to quench it in Bethel. Ye who turn judgment to wormwood and leave off righteousness in the earth, seek him that maketh the seven stars in Orion and turneth the shadow of death into the morning and maketh the day dark with night that calleth for the waters of the sea and poureth them out upon the face of the earth. The Lord is his name that strengtheneth the spoiled against the strong so that the spoil shall come against the fortress. You'll notice a recurring exhortation through these verses and that is to seek the Lord. You'll notice in verse 4, uh, God speaking to the house of Israel, he says, Seek ye me. And the result of seeking the Lord is what? And ye shall live. Life only comes from seeking the Lord. But then in verse uh, 5, he says, Don't seek Bethel. Seek not Bethel. Don't enter into Gilgal. Pass not to be a Sheba. And uh, Gilgal is going to go into captivity. Bethel is going to come to north. Verse 6. Seek the Lord, and ye shall live. Exhortation, seek the Lord, promise, ye shall live. Life only really comes from seeking the Lord. And then in verse 8 again, seek Him. Now we've had uh, cause to share a thought on this or so in uh, Bible college, but the thing I want to draw to your attention tonight is verse 5, as well as the other things we've said here. I've read this over the years and thought, well, why did God say, don't seek Bethel? Seek me, because I immediately thought of all the Bethel meant in the book of Genesis, and so I want to go back to the book of Genesis, and we're just going to have a little panoramic view through a number of scriptures here on why the Lord ends up saying to the prophet Amos, don't seek Bethel. Now, as we go back to Genesis, we'll find that Bethel was a very important place uh, as far as Abraham and Jacob are particularly concerned. And we want to go and see uh, what happened back in the foundation there. So let's go back to the book of Genesis now. And uh, eventually we'll complete our cycle while the Lord ends up saying, Don't seek Bethel, but seek me. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 12, first of all. Genesis chapter 12. Just before we read the particular passage, and uh, we're going back to the book of Genesis, we're going back to some foundation, foundation, uh, foundational things that happened at the place called Bethel in the lives of uh, particularly Abraham. No doubt Isaac was involved too, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because uh, they were heirs with him of the same promise. 
And uh, in Genesis, we have the seed and the foundation way back here. Now, when we come down to the time of the prophet Amos, many, many years later, God says, don't seek that out. So what we want to do is go back and see what happened in the beginning and what is the problem here when God says, don't seek that out. So Genesis chapter 12 and verse uh, 8 is the first reference to Bethel in the, in the uh, scripture here, and it has to do with Abraham, which we've already referred to in previous occasions. Let's take verse 7 and 8. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. Uh, Hai on the east, Hai, if I remember, uh, means ruin. On the east, Bethel, house of God, as we see on the west. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. So first reference to Bethel is in connection with the, the father Abraham. And we see the, uh, the three particular things were referred to on previous occasions building an altar unto the Lord, uh, pitching his tent, calling on the name of the Lord uh, in association with Bethel on the west, Hay on the east. Go to, go to chapter 13. So the next reference we have uh, to Bethel, we find that uh, at the close or from chapter 12 onwards, we find that Abraham has gone down to Egypt out of the will of God. Uh, perhaps we better read verse 10 again of, of chapter 12. And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt. So here Bethel, in the beginning with Abraham, but when there's a famine in the land, he went down. And you, as I've said before, you never go up to Egypt, you always go down. Geographically, spiritually, going down to Egypt. As someone has said, it's better to starve in Canaan in the will of God than to go down to Egypt where there's plenty. Because there's always a little Hagar and Ishmael that's picked up there that going to reap problems later on. All right, chapter 13, verse 1. And Abraham went up out of Egypt, down into Egypt, up out of Egypt, back to the will of God, he and his wife, and all that he had in lot with him into the south. And Abraham was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So down to Egypt, but up out of Egypt. So it said God never uses these directions just for the fun of it. Down spiritually, down geographically, he comes up again. And he comes back to Bethel, back to the, the tent, back to the altar, and back to calling on the name of the Lord. Back between Bethel and Hai. So that's Abraham's experience. Now let's go over to the most, uh, the fullest revelation that we have is uh, Jacob's experience in Genesis 28. Genesis chapter 28. Now, Genesis chapter 28 is uh, very uh, 
very much a foundation chapter for what happens at Bethel and uh, the history we're following here. I'd like just to bring a couple of thoughts from our previous sessions back. In this chapter, we find that God is going to give to uh, Jacob the birthright promises. And as uh, I think I mentioned last time in, in uh, closing, we have about, uh, we really have a progressive revelation of the promises, the covenant promises that are given to Jacob. Uh, let me just sort of spell it out here. So this has, to, uh, this has to do with Abraham here. Now, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. You're saying I'm the God of Abraham, not the God of, of Ishmael, but the God of Isaac, not the God of Esau, but the God of Jacob. And so God, there's a sort of a fourfold or fivefold progressive revelation of the covenant promises that are given to Abraham, uh, given to Jacob, pardon me. First of all, the promises are given to Rebekah before Jacob is born. God gave them directly to Rebekah before Jacob is born even. And then the next thing we see is that Jacob buys the birthright. As we said, there was nothing deceitful about Jacob buying the birthright. He valued spiritual things in spite of his Jacob nature. Uh, he valued spiritual things. He said, all right, sell me the birthright. Esau has no desire and no taste for spiritual things. He lives for the temporal and for the physical. Uh, he's not interested in spiritual internal things. And so God has been pleased to call himself the God of Jacob. And as uh, I've, I've said so many times, Jacob, in spite of his nature, he wanted God. That's always been an encouragement to me. How many feel encouraged? And I, I say, Lord, in spite of my nature... <laughs> Deep down I want you. Deep down I value spiritual things. How many feel that way? Uh, we might have that Jacob nature within us, but when deep down we value spiritual and eternal things, God's pleased to call himself the God of Jacob. And uh, Jacob eventually becomes Israel. And so that's a real encouragement. <laughs> so he bought the birthright off Esau. Now, the third thing here, which we've skipped chapters because we only have a couple of more sessions here, uh, he gets the prophecy from Isaac. Now, he, as we've seen, Rebekah and uh, Jacob helped God out here, and so the prophecy comes, and God overruled it. It's quite remarkable that in Hebrews chapter 11, of all the incidents in the life of uh, Isaac, the only thing the Holy Spirit picks out is uh, where it says, By faith Isaac bless both his sons. So in the sovereignty of God, in spite of um, uh, Rebecca and Jacob trying to help God out, God overruled in the whole situation. He just held up Esau long enough uh, and overruled in his providence there. And by faith, Isaac blessed his sons, Jacob and Esau. So there was that element of faith and Isaac eventually recognized. Well, God permitted this thing to happen. I have to submit to it. And he, and he did. And so uh, he got it from Jacob. And, uh, I mean, got, uh, Jacob got the blessing from Isaac. Now, number four, this is the one we're looking at here. He's got to get it from God himself. Now, we mentioned last week. I know you don't remember, but I do. If, you, if I don't remember, who else will? Uh, <laughs> it's one thing for God to promise Rebecca, that Jacob will have the rulership. 
and, uh, and come into his own and receive the prophetic word, Jacob have I loved. It's one thing for Jacob to get the birthright out of his brother Esau. It's another thing to get the laying out of hands of prophecy. Let it sink in. It's one thing to get the laying out of hands of prophecy from his father Isaac. But it's another thing to get it out of God himself. And this is where there's a big breakdown for many of God's people in the laying out of hands of prophecy. And I believe in it, you know. I'm a strong believer in the laying out of hands of prophecy. But there's a missing link until you get it from God himself. Okay? And have it from your mother or your grandmother or you can try and get out your brothers or get the laying on of hands of prophecy. All good words. But God himself had to come on the scene and deal with Jacob before that laying on of hands and prophetic word began to unfold in his life. So that you've got to always see all this other, see, this other involved the human element. This involves, involves God himself, a divine element. And there's the human side, but there's the divine side. And so God's going to come on the scene to Jacob now and lay something down uh, right here as we'll, as we'll go through. All right. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 28 in the light of those remarks. And uh, we'll take from verse uh, 10. And how many believe that every word in the book's inspired, that it's not there just to fill up the book? All right. Jacob went out from Beersheba. Now you'll notice the places we read down there in Amos. Don't seek Bethel. Don't go to Gilgal. Don't go to uh, Beersheba. Now particularly Bethel and Beersheba, uh, these places were involved in the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These, these particular places. Uh, but later on the, uh, the Lord says, don't seek them. Now, uh, Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So, uh, significant words there. He went out. He's leaving something, going out from something, but he's going toward something. That's encouraging because many times people come out, but they're going toward nothing. There's no direction. But he, he went out from Beersheba, but he went toward something because that's where God was going to deal with him. Verse 11 says, And he lighted upon a certain place. It looked accidental. He just happened to light upon a certain place. He lighted upon a certain place. No, it was no accident in the providence of God, as we'll see in uh, a subsequent scripture. He lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night. It was going to be a night experience. In fact, it's interesting to go through the dealings of God in Jacob's life, the night experiences that he's going to have, when everything just seems dark, naturally, spiritually. After all, he's got the birthright from his brother. He's deceived his father Isaac and got the laying on of hands of prophecy, connived a bit there, conniverson, <laughs> Uh, helped God out a bit. Uh, Esau has threatened to kill him. And his dad says, son, you better get going. Go and look, look for a wife for yourself. Get out of town. I feel it's the safest place. And uh, 
Jacob doesn't realize that he's not going to see his mother anymore. Rebecca, Jacob, her favorite son, she's not going to see her son anymore. She's going to actually help to drive him away from home just for helping God out. Guarantee she uh, kicked herself later on. It's going to be 20 long years before anything happens here. So he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, the night experience, because the sun was set. Geographically, spiritually, that was going to close off that portion of his life. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, Now it's God himself coming now. Had, had all these words. He's had the word from Rebekah. He's had the birthright from Esau. He's had the prophetic word from Isaac. But now it's God himself coming. I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it unto thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. He alighted upon a certain place. God, in his providence, was bringing him to this certain place. Uh, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. Otherwise, I would have kept going. And he was afraid. Said, Glory, hallelujah, it's just great to be in this place. Said, How dreadful it is, is this place. You're just loaded with guilt and conviction. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar, and poured oil upon the top of it, and he called the name of that place Bethel the house of God. But the name of that city was called Lazarus the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me uh, bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. All right, I'd like you to pick out, uh, I'd like to pick out some of the main thoughts that we have uh, in this uh, section here. Pick out my notes here. The first thing that we find here is that uh, Jacob going out from something, going towards something, he lights upon this certain place. And he takes of the stones of that place, plural, and uh, puts them down for his pillows so that the first thing that the stone becomes uh, to Jacob is a place of rest. A place of rest. 
Okay, takes of the stones. It's in the plural there. I don't know how many there was. He took of the stones of that place and uh, used them for his pillow, pillows, and laid down to rest. And uh, he's certainly going to need rest because his little head has been working overtime. His thoughts have been chasing one another around his skull like a, a nest of ants because of this nasty little business back there. <laughs> and so he has to come to a place of mental rest from all the mental agitation and mental conniving he and Mama been gone through, getting that birthright. And you know, spiritually, we want to take the natural and the spiritual. Spiritually, when we come to Christ, we must come to him to find rest. And one of the most restless parts of our body is this up here. I sometimes pray, Lord, cause me to cease from the restless activity of my mind. When your thoughts are chasing one another around the skull, like a nest of ants has been poked with a stick. Anybody ever feel that way? Well, you just have to come into God's presence and just rest. Rest from that ceaseless, restless activity of the human mind. That's what Jacob has to find. And Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden and weary. Jacob certainly was weary and heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Now, as he's in a place of rest, God gives him a dream, most remarkable dream, and he sees a ladder, or more properly, a staircase. Doesn't matter, we'll use the figure of the ladder. A staircase reaching from earth right through to heaven. So here Jacob is on earth, resting his head upon that stone. That stone that was going to become an anointed stone. That stone that was going to become the entwisted rock. That stone, that rock that followed them was Christ. The Bethel stone. So here in a place of rest, uh, he sees heaven open. So there's the opening of the heavens here. Opened heavens. And uh, at the top of the ladder, he sees God. God himself is at the top of the ladder, at the top of the, the staircase here. God in all his glory. At the top of the ladder, Jacob is uh, as an heir of salvation here on earth. And uh, what does he see? He sees the angels of God ascending and descending upon this ladder, upon this staircase. What was it uh, uh, prophetic of? What was it significant of? Let's uh, let's go over to um, a verse in Hebrews chapter 1 here. Hebrews chapter 1. Because Jacob all through his life is going to experience uh, this verse here. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse uh, 
Oh, well, take verse 13 and 14. Hebrews 1, verse 13 and 14. But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now here Jacob is an heir of salvation. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Here Jacob is an heir of salvation. And so the angels of God... Uh, God sends forth the angels as ministering spirits, deacons, serving spirits, sent forth as ministering spirits to those who are heirs of salvation. And uh, we're only throw the seed thought out, but it's a very interesting study to go through Genesis and see how many times the angels of God come to Jacob. Angels of God here, the angels of God when Esau made him the angel that came and wrestled with him and put his thigh out of joint and changed his name uh, all through his life. Well, he ends up in Genesis 49 saying, The angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named upon Ephraim and Manasseh. And so Jacob experiences the angels of God ascending and descending upon that ladder. Now, uh, we have no mistake of who the ladder is. The symbol, this is the symbol, so everything is symbolic here. The stone becomes symbolic. The staircase, the ladder becomes symbolic. Glory of God, symbolic of God and all his majesty and brightness. And the covenant promises that are now given to him. Rebecca's had them, told to her before birth. Jacob has bought the birthright. He doesn't know what's involved. He knows it's spiritual reality, something he values. Isaac is given him the prophetic word and, and quoted the birthright, but now God himself comes to him. And uh, in John's Gospel, let's turn to John's Gospel, chapter 1, for a very similar situation here. John chapter 1. And uh, we'll take, uh, I'll just paraphrase a little bit here because time is, moving as always. John chapter 1 and verse uh, 45, Philip finds Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can, any, can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, the only sensible thing, come and see. Uh, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Jacob Israel. Jacob at Bethel later on, he's going to have his name changed to Israel. So Jacob Israel. So Jacob is going to become the first Israelite indeed. He had a lot of guile, but God's going to change his name, the change of name, change of nature. So Jacob Israel, the guile of Jacob, uh, Jacob, Israel, your, your name no longer Jacob, but Israel. And so Jesus said, oh, an Israelite indeed. He is a, truly a prince having power with God, with man. A true Israelite, no guile, no subtlety in him. Nathaniel said to him, whence do you know me? Jesus answered unto him, before that Philip called thee when you were under the fig tree. Fig tree in the Old Testament, symbol of the house of Judah, nation of Israel, the fig tree. I saw thee. 
Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of, uh, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, I'm the King of Israel. Not the King of Jacob, the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you will see heaven opened, like Jacob. Jacob, Israel, you'll see heaven open. He saw heaven open. And the angels of God ascending and descending. Jacob saw the heavens open. He was an heir of salvation. And he saw the angels of God ascending and descending. But now Jesus interprets the symbol. He says, angels of God ascending and descending upon who? Son of man. So the Son of Man becomes the staircase, the way, the staircase, the ladder to heaven. Now, we want to keep moving a little bit, but let's say this here. Between heaven and earth was the great gulf fixed by sin. And there's only one person who could bridge that gulf. Take away the ladder. There's no way. There's no, there's a communication gap between God and man and heaven and earth because of sin. There's only one way. We could either take this and we could build a little tower of Babel from earth to heaven and that ends in confusion because as we've said before, Religion is man trying to get to God. But uh, this is not a Tower of Babel. The ladder was let down from heaven to earth. So it's God coming to man. God taking the initiative. Uh, this uh, used to hit me pretty vividly when I used to travel from Australia to New Zealand and uh, go by the, the rock and roll, I mean the ship, that we went on to. It was just a rock and roll thing, back and forth, and filling up paper bags, feeding the fish, feeding the mermaids, Father Neptune with leftover food. Uh, <laughs> and uh, as soon as we came into the land, they'd send out the pilot. And uh, always struck me on this that... Uh, they would let down the ladder and the pilot would come aboard and take us into the land. And, uh, a little chorus sort of came out of that, do you want a pilot? Signal then to Jesus. Do you want a pilot? Bid him come aboard. Well, it's God that let down the, the ladder from heaven to earth. Hallelujah. For the grace of God. God coming to man. Says, okay, I've bridged the communication gap and the sin gap between heaven and earth. I've bridged it through the ladder. The ladder is Jesus Christ. You'll have to begin at his feet. You'll have to begin on the first rung of the ladder. And there's so many ways we could take this, but just one little way. I use it in many, many ways when I take other things. Uh, the seven principles of the doctrine of Christ, repentance from dead works, Faith towards God, doctrine of baptisms, laying in of hands, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment, 
perfection. God's at the top. Step number seven. Step by step up Jacob's ladder. How many are climbing Jacob's ladder? And then I hear people say, well, we don't want to, you know, we're finished with repentance from dead works. We, we're going to leave the first principles. Well, it depends what picture you're looking at, but if I'm climbing up Jacob's ladder, I don't get on the first uh, rung of repentance from dead works and pull out the rung and say, oh, I'm finished with that, got to leave that and climb up the next step, faith towards God and pull that out. By the time I get to the top, I'd have a great falling away. Wouldn't I? I'd never make it. The higher up the ladder I go, the more dependent I am on the previous rungs of the ladder. See? So when he says leaving the principle, he's not saying leave them, forget them, throw them away. No, the higher up you go, the higher you advance, the more dependent you are. I am more dependent on maintaining my repentance and faith and truth of baptism and keeping filled with the Spirit. I'm more dependent on it now than I ever was. I've experienced these truths, laying out of hands and prophecy, experienced many years ago. But I have to maintain the thing because I'm going right through the glory. Amen? Amen. So uh, Jesus is Jacob's ladder, and I'm, I'm glad that God let Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, come down from heaven to earth. Hallelujah. Let's go back to uh, Jacob. Genesis. Yes, sir? if I sort of took time to answer it I'd get diverted too much um, and I just it's the type of thing I just couldn't answer like that I'd have to take you through the theme on the ascending and descending uh, theme so I just have to hold it at the moment okay but there's about seven references to that it's a theme that's taken right through so uh, you just have to pardon me holding on that Okay, let's pick out a couple of other thoughts because uh, what is the proper time? Is it quarter two? Is that right? That's right? Okay, thank you. Good. What's that? Exactly. Thank you, Mum. <laughs> All right, now let's go down to, so verse 12 we've been looking at, Genesis 28. He dreamed the ladder set up from the, on the earth. Uh, Genesis 28, verse 12, I meant top of it reached to heaven and the angels of God are descending, ascending and descending on it. God's at the top of the ladder. The Lord stood above it. Praise God for that. Then the Lord gives the covenantal promises about the land and about the seed and the direction that that seed would spread abroad. West, east, north, south. Glad they got south there because that brings in Australia. Hallelujah. Well, they got the West in there. It brings America in a little bit. Eh? How many feel? Even the North got in there. Maybe there's some going to be some Christians in Russia too, where they were working in the Siberian slave camps. All right, now, what does Jacob do in verse 17 when he wakes up? says it's a dreadful place, scared of the presence of God. And he said, it's none other but the house of God and the gate of heaven. So, note the language here. House of God. So, Bethel, through this 
there's going to be a house that's built upon a stone. A wise man built his house upon a rock, and this is the gate of heaven. It's not heaven, the gate of heaven. They come in at the gate, just like they came in at the gate of the tabernacle, the gate in the outer court. That was the house of God, same thing. So now in verse 18, he took the stone that he set for his pillow. So however many stones there was, some particular stone is picked out. And now this pillow becomes a pillar. So he stands it up and he anoints it. What does Paul say? Because when he anoints this and he says, uh, he called pla- uh, the name of that place Bethel, the, the uh the house of God in verse 22, and this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. What does Paul say in Hebrews? Not Hebrews, 1 Timothy. Uh, chapter 3, verse 15, I'm quoting. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground or stay or support of the truth, the church, the house of God. So here it's taken here. So this pillow, the place of rest, now becomes a pillar. And the church is uh, the pillar. He calls this pillar Bethel, the house of God. And the church is the house of, house of God. And it's the pillar and ground of truth. And then Jacob anoints this rock. It's an anointed rock, it's an anointed stone, it's an anointed pillar, it's the anointed house of God. What is the house of God without anointing? This is the first record of anointing in Scripture, and it's significant that it comes from the third person. I'm the God of Abraham, the father, I'm the God of Isaac, the only begotten son, I'm the God of Jacob, the anointer. So it's the third person of this triunity of men that becomes the, the, the anointer of Bethel, the house of God. And which person in the Godhead becomes the anointer and anointing of the church as the house of God? The Holy Spirit. Who are we called after? When we're baptized into the name, we're baptized into the name of the Father, which is the Lord, and of the Son, which is and in the name of the Holy Spirit, which is involved in Christ. And we are called Christians. Why are we called Christians? By reason of the anointing. And who is that anointing? The Holy Spirit. You have the anointing abiding within you, the unction. So it's that anointing. So they were not called Abrahamites or Isaacites. They were called Israelites. After the third person, we are not called Lordites or Jesusites. We're called Christians. After the third person, how many have Jesus in their heart? No. Oh, I just feel so fulfilled to catch somebody now. <laughs> Nowhere does the Bible say you got Jesus in your heart. It says Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Jesus in you. Jesus, we're just being scriptural and theological now, so it's perfectly all right. 
live in your life. Do you have God's views in your heart? But we're being theological scriptures. Jesus is actually up in heaven. But it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. By reason of the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Is the church the body of Jesus? The body of? Yes. Not the body of Jesus. The church is the body of? Say it. Christ. That rock that followed them was Jesus. No. That rock that followed them was Christ. See, he never uses these names. You know, our poor little Western mind, we've been so robbed because we have a Western mind. We've been robbed of so much truth. But he never uses these names promiscuously. He never uses Lord or Lord Jesus or Jesus Christ or Christ. He never uses those names promiscuously. They always have meaning. But names are meaningless to our little Western mind. But in the, in the Middle East, it's, they're full of meaning. When... Uh, I was in the Middle East and, and speaking to the Jews. There they asked me what my name was. I said, Kevin John Connor. Oh, they said, well, Kevin means kindness and John means beloved and gift of God. Uh, and, and, and Connor, Connor, that, that is priest. So they used to call me a kindly beloved priest. <laughs> well, good, triune name. <laughs> All right, so names are <laughs> never used promiscuously. So Jacob anoints Bethel. All right, one other thing we better move on here. Verse 20, Jacob vowed a vow and says, you're going to be with me and give me tucker and raiment. As long as they've got something to eat and something to wear. Uh, come again. I don't realize it's going to be 20 years, but if I get back to my father's house in peace and not in pieces, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth, the tithe, unto thee. Now you see how many tremendous thoughts that we haven't, you know, uh, overdeveloped here. But it's, it's great. How many thoughts that Jacob said, I'll pay my tithes in connection with Bethel. He didn't say he'd send him to Box 666 or Radio Racketeer. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. He said he'd make the vow. And boy, that's one vow I believe every Christian should make is the vow of tithes. Don't ever say you can't afford to pay tithes, you can't afford not to pay tithes. So Abraham, Bethel. Abraham's a tithe payer. Jacob, Bethel. He's a tithe payer. And all these things. Oh, but the saints want all the ministry of angels, but I'm not going to pay my tithes. Well, what do you think the angels are going to live on? Faith, hope, and charity? Who are those angels? Well, let's go on. Um, I'm going to have to... <laughs> let's give you a couple of scriptures here. We haven't got time to turn to them all. Judges chapter 4, verse 5. We won't even turn to it. Judges 4, verse 5. Later on, uh, Deborah. Or what do you say? Deborah or Deborah? 
Oh, God, help these people. Oh, uh, Debbie. <laughs> Debbie the prophetess. She dwelled at Bethel. Now, Bethel's a tremendous place. See what's building here? Abraham at Bethel. Jacob's tremendous foundation experience at Bethel. Uh, Deborah, prophetess at Bethel. Woman's ministry at Bethel. First uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse 3. Samuel the prophet. Part of his uh, ministerial, pastoral, prophetical ministry circuit was at Bethel. Second Kings chapter 2, I'm just skipping these to give you the reference. Second Kings chapter 2, there was a Bible college at Bethel. Oh, that just sounds like Bible college. Bible college under Elijah, till Elijah got raptured. Then the Bible college came, <laughs> no, it almost came to an end. <laughs> Not quite. Now let's go over to a tragic scripture. We've only got about five minutes here. First Kings chapter 12. First Kings chapter 12. Now, just picking this up here while you find that. Think of all these good things about Bethel. Abraham at Bethel, the altar tent and well, Jacob at Bethel, all these foundation seed thoughts that are here that are just developed right through. And then what do we see happening? We come now to the time of uh, King Solomon's death. And the kingdom divides the house of uh, Israel, or the nation of Israel divides into two houses, house of Judah and uh, house of Israel. And so Jeroboam, who's had a prophetic word, and is going to help God out too, in verse 25, paraphrasing, Jeroboam built Shechem, and so forth, and he said, oh, in verse 26, he fears that the kingdom will return to the house of Israel, David, and he says, if these people go up to the house of the Lord Jerusalem, I'm going to lose them, and uh, they'll kill me, and I'll lose my position as king. So what does he do in verse 28? Whereupon the king took counsel and made two calves of gold, and said unto them, it's too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt just like Aaron did, made a golden calf. And what does he do? He set the one in Bethel. Oh, so, this tremendous place. Now we see decline. And now in the very place where God had appeared, we have a golden calf system. We have an idol set right up in Bethel. What better place could you have a little calf? Because Bethel is the house of God, place of worship. Well, and uh, I don't have to interpret this through church history of the idols that have been set up in the house of God. So he set the one in Bethel and the other put he in Dan. And what else does he do? This thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one and even to Dan. And he made a house of high places and made priests of the lowest people which were not of the sons of Levi. And not only does he set up a counterfeit worship 
golden calf system and does it in the house of God. He sets up a counterfeit priesthood of the lowest of the people. And notice what else he does. He sets up a counterfeit feast of tabernacles. Verse 32. And Jeroboam ordained a feast in the eighth month. On the fifteenth day of the month, like unto the feast that is in Judah, and he offered upon the altar. So counterfeit, feast of tabernacles. Just like a lot of people are sticking the feast of tabernacles into the millennium. Or giving it to the Jews. The substitute. So did he in Bethel, sacrificing under the calves he made, and he placed in Bethel the priests of the high places, uh, of the high, which he had made. So he offered upon the altar which he had made in Bethel the fifteenth day of the eighth month, even in the month which he had devised of his own heart, and ordained a feast under the children of Israel, and he offered upon the altar and burnt incense. And God sends a man of God. In verse 1 and 2, next chapter. And he cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and this will be the sign. And in verse 3, he gave a sign the same day and said, This is what's happened. And Jeroboam went to stretch out his hand against the prophet of God, and his hand withered. And the altar was rent. Josiah was born several hundred years later. Now, let's finish on this because of our time. And uh, if you're taking down notes, I'd like you to take down this statement. College uh, students have it. What am I saying here? The greatest danger through church history is what we've seen here. This was a place of visitation, and the place of visitation becomes a place of idolatry. And this has happened in every denomination without fail. Places of visitation will just be courteous not to name anything. But we can think of visitation after visitation after visitation through church history. And places of visitation become places of idolatry. And so God ends up saying through the prophet, don't seek places. Don't seek Bethel. Don't seek Gilgal. Don't seek Beersheba. I know they're all wonderful places of revival and visitation. Don't seek Jerusalem. Don't seek Azusa Street. Don't seek North Battleford. Seek me. Seek me. Seek Christ. And you'll live. The people seek places seek places. We've got to go to Jerusalem. We've got to go to Salvation Army, where Booth or Booth or Westry. We've got to go to some place. We've got to go to Azusa. Why do we go to places? Idolatry. Huh? And God says, seek me and you'll live. Not in, so the life is not in places. It's in seeking God. 